Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. We have a great docket for you today. First, Lori, it's me, not you. But we need to break up. Chad, boy, did I get the Nicholas Cruz case wrong. Alex Murdoch, his case has been set for trial. Wait until you hear how long it's going to take to complete this trial. The Daryl Brooks Circus is back. And then finally, our dumb criminal who is also a joint contender for Mother of the Year. Let's talk about it. Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for watching. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, leave me a comment below, hit that bell for notifications, and remember you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. All right, as you can see, we are in the Crime Talk studio. Yes, things come up in the practice of law. I could not get certain things moved, and I was unable to jump in Crime Talk 1 and head over there for the hearing in the Lori Vallow matter. I am just as disappointed with these uh, circumstances as you are, but we've got some news. All right, so before we go ahead and uh, get to that story, let's go ahead and open the record for October 13th of 2022. So we do know that a motions hearing was held for Chad Daybell and his matter today. Obviously, Lori Vallow's matters are all stayed because, well, competency issues have been addressed again. Now, Lori Vallow's attorneys were there to uh, see what was going to take place, but there were several major issues addressed. First, the parties addressed the motion to continue filed by Chad Daybell. The government, as we've stated and we've talked about in great length in previous videos, doesn't object for all the reasons outlined in their previous motions. And oh, by the way, did I mention because it's really expensive. Judge Boyce did not issue a ruling from the bench and advised that he would take the matter under advisement and will issue a written opinion. The court briefly addressed the severance issues and the court made no decision. And what is worth noting is that there's reports that not only in the motion for severance that we have talked about where Chad Daybell, through his attorney, refer to Lori Vallow Daybell as Miss Vallow, which I would note we have done from the beginning, well, just because it kept it cleaner, and I also didn't think that the relationship was going to last. And Chad is basically saying, Lori, it's not you, it's me, but we're breaking up. And why are they breaking up? Well, just once again to briefly recap from the motion for severance, Based on the allegations in this case, one of the plainly available defenses would be to demonstrate that Ms. Vallow and her brother, Alex Cox, were responsible for the alleged crime, and they acted as part of their own conspiracy and did not involve Mr. Day Bell. What's the best way to get that severance? Well, you need to distance yourself. What's the best defense? Say, hope oh, she did it. Been saying that all along. Well, We'll see. The court didn't issue a ruling just yet. But I think that uh, Chad DeBell has made enough of a record at this point for a severance to be granted. But hey, who knows what's going on in Idaho? We'll have to wait and see. And then the court ultimately denied the motion for a bill of particulars, which Mr. Pryor asked for more information regarding the charging documents, unclear under which theory of prosecution the prosecution was going forward. And the judge denied that and said, you have all you need to know. 
Mr. Pryor referred to Lori Vallow as Ms. Vallow, not Ms. Vallow Day Bell, as she prefers to be called, and as, well, they've referred to her in the past. Now, oh yes, Lori Hellas, remember her? That's right, our hero. She had some motions before the court, which was basically to say, Judge, you need to unseal all those documents because you didn't do it correctly. And I have communicated briefly with Lori Hellas. She was driving, so we didn't have a chance to get into great detail. But as I understand it, the court is going to take the matter under advisement. And I also understand that the court was in somewhat of an awkward position when Lori Hellas pointed out that the court's most recent orders regarding sealing of documents complied with the law. And then the court somewhat had to acknowledge that, well, now you have to go back and decide what you're going to do with the previously sealed items where the law was not filed. So like I said, uh, Lori indicated to me that she was driving back to Boise, and I hope to have her on and at least talk with her to get all of the scoop straight from her directly. I still think there's a little bit of hope that the judge will realize the errors of his ways, but I think he will find a way to keep everything sealed so that, well, we don't get to see anything what's going on, which is just wrong. Next on the docket, boy, did I get this one wrong. A jury spared Florida school shooter Nicholas Cruz from the death penalty Thursday morning for killing 17 people at the Parkland High School in 2018, which will ultimately result in him uh, being sent to prison for the remainder of his life in a decision that left many of the families of the victims angered, baffled, and in tears. Now, the jury's decision came after seven hours of deliberation over two days, ending a three-month trial that included graphic videos and photos from the incident and its aftermath, heart-wrenching testimony from victims' family members, and a tour of the still blood-spattered building. Under Florida law, a death sentence requires a unanimous vote on at least one count. The jury found there were aggravating factors to warrant the death penalty for each victim. However, they also found mitigating factors. In the end, the jury could not agree that the aggravating factors outweighed the mitigating ones, so Cruz will get life without parole. Circuit Judge Elizabeth Schur will formally issue the life sentence on November 1st. Relatives, along with the students and teachers uh, that Cruz wounded, will be given an opportunity to speak. But frankly, they could talk all day long. It's not going to change the outcome whatsoever. As I noted, the family of the victims were not happy with the result. In an interview, the jury foreman, Benjamin Thomas, indicated that more than one juror voted for life in prison instead of the death penalty. He stated, quote, we went through all the evidence and some of the jurors just felt that was the appropriate sentence, end quote. He also said, I did not vote that way, so I'm not happy with how it worked out, but everyone has the right to decide for themselves, he stated. He also stated that the jurors reached their decision Wednesday. They went home to sleep on it before bringing it to the judge on Thursday morning. He said he feels bad for the victims' families and that it hurt to watch the decision being read in court. There's nothing we could do. It's the way the law is, and that's how we voted, he stated. He said, 
In closing, this has been hard on my heart. I'd rather not see anything like this again. So like I said, I got this one wrong. I thought the jury would say 17 dead souls is enough to warrant the ultimate penalty. If 17 is not enough, then what is? If 17 is not enough, well, frankly, there should not be the death sentence for any person convicted of a mere one or two victims, apparently. Let me know your thoughts. Um, was this how you would have voted? Um, and let me understand, I'm not criticizing the jury. They're the ones that had to make this ultimate decision. And it only takes one juror to say life, and that's what it is. And it's easy to sit here and say, I want to impose the ultimate punishment when you don't have to stare that person in the eye and say, I want to give you the ultimate punishment. Let me know in the comments below. I thought 17 was enough. Apparently not. Next on the docket, the Alec Murdoch case has been set. And guess how long it's going to take to do this trial? As noted, the Lori Vallow, Chad Day Bell homicide trial, uh, where there's three victims, uh, the prosecution believes that they need a three-month trial setting to get that case done. Well, the Murdoch case involves two deceased souls. Now, well, the court said, we're going to start this on January 30th of 2023, and three weeks have been budgeted for the proceedings, meaning that the trial is expected to run through February 17th of 2023 pretty reasonable time. That's even long for most homicide trials that I have done, but it's a lot more reasonable three weeks than three months. And for those of you who do not recall, Alec Murdoch is the now disbarred attorney who has been charged with the uh, two counts of homicide and two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime in connection with the June 7th, 2021 uh, deaths of his wife, Maggie Murdoch, and younger son, 22-year-old Paul Murdoch. Maggie and Paul were killed at the family's sprawling 1,700-acre hunting property in Hampton County. He has pled not guilty to those charges and obviously will give him the presumption of innocence. Next on the docket, the circus is back in the Daryl Brooks matter. Now, if the Daryl Brooks matter was not so serious, we would... Um, make him a dumb criminal of the day for making the arguments that he's making. Now, Mr. Brooks, a self-proclaimed sovereign citizen and the man charged as the driver behind the Waukesha Parade tragedy, filed a subpoena for the state of Wisconsin to testify at his trial. Now, the judge was uh, incredulous about the request, pointing out that Wisconsin was an entity and not a person. Mr. Brooks stated that every document that was filed in this matter stated that the state of Wisconsin was the plaintiff, which would lead me to believe that the state of Wisconsin, who is bringing the claim against me, referring to himself, um, that he's been rented, representing himself, obviously, since he uh, fired his uh, public defenders. So how could they not be subpoenaed to testify if they are, in fact, the plaintiff? He argued that under the Sixth Amendment, he has a right to face his accusers, my accuser in this matter is the plaintiff, which is the state of Wisconsin. As the court properly noted that Mr. Brooks has been able to cross-examine every witness who has come to testify against him, and he has a right to challenge uh, that testimony on cross-examination. The matter is brought in the name of the people of the state of Wisconsin, and obviously the entity, the state of Wisconsin, cannot come and testify. But this just shows you the nonsense 
that um, the sovereign citizens oftentimes engage in, which is complete nonsense. And yeah, there's nothing much more to say about that. This is just a long, drawn-out guilty plea, and we'll go through the process. That's right. We'll give him due process. And for those who don't recall, prosecutors say that Mr. Brooks is the driver who rammed a red SUV through the Waukesha Christmas Parade on November 21st, where he injured dozens and killed six people. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day slash mother of the year award contender. That's right. It takes a lot to make both both competitions. Well, a New York woman has been arrested for allowing her 10-year-old son to get a large tattoo across his forearm. At least it wasn't like across his forehead. Anyway, the artwork uh, was apparently spotted by school employees who reported that the illegal ink to the uh, law enforcement officers. Police uh, busted Crystal Thomas for endangering the welfare of a child. She was booked on the misdemeanor charge and released from custody. Now, Thomas's son was placed in custody of the uh, Child Protective Services. Uh, the boy was tattooed inside a room at a hotel where Thomas and her two children reside. Before inking the boy, police say the tattoo artist got permission from the mom. The uh, resulting tattoo, the boy's name, in full-size block letters, was inked across the child's forearm. The tattoo is large enough that you would need a sleeve, apparently, to cover it up. Officials learned of the uh, tattoo when the uh, boy asked the nurse at his middle school if he could have some Vaseline to apply to the uh, top of the fresh ink. The tattoo artist is also a person of interest who could face charges including tattooing a minor and endangering the welfare of a child. The whereabouts of the male suspect are currently unknown. Hey, if you want to get a tattoo, good on you. Wait till you're, I don't know, 18, 16, 17, but 10? 10? Yeah, mom, bad decision. That's why you're in the mother of the year contestant as well as the dumb criminal of the day. We will give you some mitigating factors. At least it wasn't on the forehead and it was on the arm. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.